All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. But it's a great time to be alive in the sports world. we got NBA True. firing on all cylinders. Um, our lineups have cashed all four slates, FanDuel and DraftKings, to start the year. I, I know it's going to sound like a broken record by talking about all the slates that our lineups cash, but whatever, man. That's what we're here to do. And they've just been doing it sort of all year for football, and they just start off basketball, too. Go show me another operation that has, like, three people at the controls of every um, – you know, me, me and Chris Terrell at the controls of every single one of our projections that just does this well, right? There's nobody else, right? Everyone else – are we the best? I, I, I hate to like go brag. brag <laughs> I hate to go braggadocio and everyone here, but I, like I'm I'm riding incredibly high from like basically our entire fall. Well, you're never as good as your good runs, Doug, and you're never as bad as your bad runs. But yes, this uh, is shut up, a, shut up with that. An, <laughs> just, <laughs> it's, a, it's been an absolutely, definitely a, a very fun way to start since September. Which you know, there's there's a lot of variance in our business too, where you know, just to be honest with people, sometimes you do get on those bad streaks, and if it's like at the beginning of NFL season, not only are we losing in our DFS accounts, but we're also losing in our bank account because people will just quit because they don't understand how variance works. So, yeah, it's uh, it's always nice, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly riding high as well. Oh, I'm just incredible. I'm just on cloud. The, the, whatever the couple clouds up from cloud nine are, I can't do the math. I need mm. a spreadsheet. I need a spreadsheet to figure it out. But it's like it's many clouds over cloud nine. Sure. Anyway, we have week eight in the NFL here. Uh, it's a it's a crazy week because it seems like all the good teams are playing all the bad teams, which kind of bears itself out in some of these spreads. There's five teams that have total implied totals of more than 28 points this week: um, Rams, Seahawks, Texans, Patriots. And one other team that's just slipping my mind right now, oh, Lions, um, all have just really, really high implied totals. So we'll get into some of those games. Uh, it's just going to mean that we're probably going to have a lot of DFS exposure to these teams uh, and maybe some other teams that become nothing more than GPP after or worse than GPP plays afterthoughts uh, completely. We do have a couple of trades that went down during the week that we'll try to figure out where uh, some of these guys land moving to new teams or some of the places they vacated. Uh, by getting traded, and there is some injury news out there, though not a ton right now that we'll kind of have to wade through. So we'll go game by game, break everything down. We did do, obviously, if you've been a listener to the podcast um, or if you're new, you know that we ran through cash game plays for Week 8 on yesterday's podcast. So go and check that out where we did a little bit more of a deep dive into the position battles. Uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, McCaffrey, Fournette, Carson, uh, and Latavius Murray, and then some wide receivers as well. We'll kind of nod to those guys. So that's my big, long spiel to get going on Week 8. Anything else to add here before we get in? I mean, we're almost halfway through the NFL season. That feels nuts. Yeah. it. it I mean, it, it was another one of those just, like, really weird weeks to me. But, I, I you know, we didn't do it a breakdown podcast. I'm, I'm psyched for Week 8, though. I think Week 8 is going to be – a good one. I, last week, I felt a little uncomfortable going into setting cash games. This week, I'm feeling a lot more confident. So definitely excited oh, to I break them all it. down and, and hand them to you. Let's go. Feeling confident. I like that. You're usually kind of, I don't know, buddy. You're like more of the steady yeah. hand. I guess what you're I'm the wet, I'm the wet blanket guy. That's that's my role. You know, when, when you're riding it. high, Doug, I got to bring you back down and vice versa. So Well, bring me down, buddy, because you know I'm on, again, cloud <laughs> 17. Cloud 11. Right. We got it. Let's keep going. <laughs> all right. Let's roll through some of these games. Seahawks go in and play the Falcons. Seahawks are five-and-a-half-point road favorites here against an Atlanta team that really is just nothing short of atrocious. They're terrible. I don't really um, – they're actually funny because they're actually pretty – DVOA-wise, they're good against the run. They're fourth overall, 31st against the pass. 
I do think some of this number is skewed because they're so bad against the pass that teams just don't even bother with the run. I think so. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like DVOA is pretty good. They, they, they only run in like the most obvious running situations, which can, you know, it's like the old uh, Tecmo Bowl thing where if the other team knows your play, then it's not going to go as far. So. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that's, I kind of feel like that's where we are with the Falcons. They've just been really bad across the board. That being said, teams have just put, specifically quarterbacks, have just put up monster numbers against them. We talked about Russell Wilson as a cash game play. Uh, still very much on that. What do you think about a Russell Wilson, Chris Carson stack here, though, against Atlanta, even knowing that the Atlanta run defense, uh, people call this the term for the industry, this is a funnel defense, right? That you're very good at one thing, supposedly not good at another. Uh, so that you're funneled toward the pass. But what do you think about possibly a Carson-Wilson uh, uh, team-up in cash games for us? That is coming kind of close to top lineups for us on FanDuel. Yeah, um, well, Wilson, obviously, you know, he was headlined our cash game podcast the other day. Uh, we did discuss Carson as a potential play on both FanDuel and DraftKings this week. He is receiving the 13th most buzz of any player over on FanshareSports.com. But I just got to say, like, I don't know, as I look at all, how all the pieces are coming together and as I look at how Carson can kind of like the opportunities often there and the production can sort of come and go on you, depending on how it all shakes out. Like, I don't know, like the fact that he went back to getting those 21 carries and turning them into 65 yards last week against Baltimore, just a little scary to me. I mean, you love that 26 plays were drawn up for him. So he's certainly in that very, very small group of elite touch guys. But I'm going to keep my options open, you know, because I think this week, especially if we get those two cheap running back plays, then we might not need to dabble into Carson for cash. But yeah, for big tournaments, for sure. I mean, everyone in a matchup like this, like if you rate that he's going to get 25 touches against a team that's been this bad on defense overall, that can't be a bad play for big tournaments, especially. Tyler Lockett still does lead the team in targets with 48 this season. Um, he's kind of come and gone on his target share. And just from sometimes they just get caught on weeks. This is the Seahawks caught on weeks where they're just going to run the ball a lot. So you just they just end up not having to, to defer to yeah. the pass. Uh, last week, DK Metcalf did actually lead the team when they were playing from behind uh, against the Ravens. So I think there's like some probably value to be had in this. Or excuse me, up, excuse me, not value, upside to be had uh, from the Seahawks receiving core. Uh, and then obviously Will Disley was hurt for the year. They did bring in uh, Luke Wilson. He, excuse me, Jacob, no, no. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Jacob Hollister led the team and led the tight ends and targets with six last week. Luke Wilson, and he did split snaps, but Wilson only had one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to make too much of that from a tight end perspective. Nah, every, there's no value in the Seahawks passing game outside of Russell Wilson. Um, you know, there is upside, like you mentioned, but Lockett still priced like he was after that 14 target game earlier this season. And Metcalf at 6,600, like, no. <laughs> That's just right. all I have to say about that. Like, he's a 1,000 more than, like, Tyler Boyd. Give me a break. Uh, you're not going to play these guys. So, now, on the Atlanta side, they traded Mohamed Sanu this week yeah. to the Patriots. Uh, Patriots are going to release Josh Gordon. Uh, they put him on IR, and it looks like they're going to release him. Uh, but Sanu heads over to New England. But what do you want to do here with, like, the passing game? Now, Matt Ryan, for as bad as Atlanta has been this season, Matt Ryan has actually still sustained – a pretty high fantasy floor week to week, mostly because they're always playing from behind, uh, and he just has to throw a ton. Do you, I mean, Sanu was a kind of a targeted guy in this offense, not the top targeted guy, but he does leave some targets on the table. How do we think we read? Are we comfortable redistributing like to Julio and Calvin Ridley here, um, like specifically these two guys, Austin Hooper? It sure looks like they're going to be playing from behind again. And again, this team has 
they've put up they put up numbers in the passing game for as bad as the defense has been. Yeah, so the big question in Atlanta, of course, is Matt Ryan's health right now. Uh, he missed practice on Wednesday, questionable with the ankle. Obviously, if he were to miss, you know, any discussion about the relative upside of these various plays would go right out the window. But if he were to play, yeah, rolling it back with Austin Hooper seems totally reasonable. I mean, uh, like I really wanted to play him in cash last week. I'd be more than happy to do so again this week. And the price really has come down on Julio Jones to a point where you have to start asking yourself the question, right? I mean, he certainly hasn't been the target leader that he was last year, but still pretty darn solid. I mean, nine or more targets in five games this season. So hasn't turned it into a whole lot of fantasy production since week three against Indy, but you have to think there's these big Julio games lurking. So uh, definitely a guy I'm keeping my eye on, certainly sprinkling in considerably in big tournaments. I still think we can find a higher floor elsewhere for cash, but yeah, these guys are all on my radar right now. It looks like Justin Hardy will take some of those Muhammad Sanu snaps. Uh, I, that's, I'll take a wait and see approach oh, yeah. on that one. I don't mind the I don't mind the fifty four hundred dollar price on Ridley here on Fanduel from an upside point of view. Don't want to go there from a possession receiver kind of standpoint because he really hasn't been then been that. But he, he has shown he has shown flashes of touchdown upside in the past. Uh, so wouldn't wouldn't shock me that, again. This game has a pretty big total fifty three and a half. Rolling through some of the rest of these games, Philadelphia goes in and plays Buffalo. This game has a 43 over and under, so clearly not one of the games we were talking about in terms of just possibly high-flying big totals. Uh, Philly, look, we've been in this problem all year. It's kind of just hard to, even with Deshaun Jackson out, like Alshon Jeffries, the targets kind of come and go. Nelson Aguilar went had an alligator arm play last week that was driving the Eagles fans totally crazy. The running backs are just this a total just dark throw uh, from a week-to-week basis. And then Buffalo, John Brown has got some ownership last week, and Josh Allen too. I don't know. On, on a slate like this, though, is there anything you're really seeing here? I'm. This is not a game I really want to target, even from an upside perspective. Well, I think that Josh Allen is definitely playable in this game, uh, and he probably that probably is where it stops for me. I will say that John Brown is another guy who's receiving a lot of buzz on FanShare. I can't say I totally get it. I mean, I know that he's sprinkled in a couple of good weeks here and there. He's very, very cheap, but... You know, six targets last week, five targets the week before against Miami and Tennessee and what arguably should have been better matchups than this Philly matchup. He had his one big target game against New England, but didn't really turn it into a whole lot of actual fantasy production. So, yeah, I think I'm mostly off it. I do think Josh Allen, you know, we talked about this on the Cash Game podcast. I like the guys in the higher tier better and Wilson and Watson. But if you simply needed to pay up elsewhere, I think Josh Allen would be a, a suitable alt- alternative. And like we said with Allen, uh, the fact that he can scramble does give him a high floor. It does give him a lot of upside. Excuse me, it gives him a lot of upside as well because if he gets in for those rushing touchdowns, there's very few other quarterbacks that can do that on the same level of sure. a consistency. Consistency in quotes here, but just the fact that there's so few quarterbacks that do it uh, just does put does have to put you on the radar in terms of the upside on a week to week basis. All right, let's keep going. Uh, going through, sorry, this is another one of these big total games. The Cardinals go in and play the Saints. Saints are 10.5-point home favorites. Cardinals are coming off a week where David Johnson played two snaps and then quickly just left the game, mm-hmm. and Chase Edmonds came in and just ran wild on the Giants, which wouldn't have been so bad uh, just from a people-get-hurt standpoint, except the Cardinals. I don't know if you saw this. The Cardinals' official, twi- official Twitter account during the dur- right after the game said, imagine not playing... Chase Edmund, not having Chase Edmonds in your lineup for fantasy this week. And you're like, hey, jerks, you had David Johnson playing. Like Matthew Barry just did an epic rant on this on the fantasy on the fantasy focus podcast. Um, but isn't that like just the biggest troll job? Like I get the part where like, I don't know, Latavius Murray, like the Saints want to do it with Latavius Murray. Go go for it. But like the part where 
the guy was just the backup, and people have been like, imagine not having insider information on this injury situation on David Johnson, like <laughs> like we did over the Cardinals. Like you just jer- what jerks? I don't know. Like anyway, yeah. uh, where am I going with this? Oh, sorry. Yeah, David Johnson looks like he might not play again. Uh, he's still hurt. Does not seem like he's progressing in any kind of health thing. He removed himself from the game last week. Chase Edmonds just got a ton of carries. They did bring in Alfred Morris. Uh, I think they signed Zach Zenner as well. But where do you want to land on Chase Edmonds' overall touches? This is a guy that had gotten receiving targets as well during this year. And the reason I say that is because they're big underdogs this week. Yeah, well, Chase Edmonds, if Johnson were to miss, I think I'd be very comfortable running Chase Edmonds. He's not as cheap as you might like at 6100 but he's still cheap enough, right? <laughs> and so I think that you could definitely do that. Uh, the Cardinals have not necessarily been one of those running back by committee's teams uh, they did sign Zenner, interestingly. Zach's in a revenge game against the Saints, who just released him <laughs> this week as well. Uh, but it, it's hard to imagine that Zenner uh, just pops right in there and does anything. So, uh, yeah, I think Chase Edmonds would be easily the foreman here. I think he's signed more as, like, the insurance plan in the longer term. That And it suggests to me that this Johnson thing might be a bigger deal uh, than we would have suspected because I think they could roll for this week on Edmonds. But uh, if they think he's going to miss multiple weeks, they're obviously going to want some sort of backup uh, spelling him plan. Uh, that being said, on the other side of the ball, the fact that the Saints released center, uh, that suggests that Kamara might come back this week, which you know would certainly throw cold water on our Latavius Murray plan. I definitely wouldn't want to play Kamara in his first week back uh, with Latavius Murray playing well and lurking there. But uh, that's definitely a situation to watch because right now, like this game could have tons of running back value. Like imagine you just get both. That's your both your running back slots locked for the week. But, or you could get neither. So <laughs> I'm going to, uh, here on Thursday, I'm going to have to pay close attention to this as we get closer to kickoff. Uh, just a quick nod to one of our sponsors, mybookie.ag. You'll see where I'm going with this in a second. Mybookie.ag, best site uh, if you're looking to put in bets on Sunday or really for any sporting action that you're getting going through at the really just any time during the year, but specifically Sunday uh, with some of these football bets. Mybookie.ag, use the promo code OVERTIME. They're going to match your deposit bonus up to $100, first-time depositors only. Uh, you got to check them out. We both use them, and we use them to just kind of uh, – put on our own bets but just sort of also just take a temperature of where the industry is going on certain games or where you know Vegas sees certain odds here's my complaint and then I will have a bet also when Drew Brees got hurt I texted you that night and said my bookie has and this is why I look we use this site all the time my bookie had the over under on Teddy Bridgewater wins as a starter at six and a half um I was like well Breeze is only supposed to miss like five or six weeks, so that number already looks crazy. And then Bridgewater just goes absolutely crazy and wins every single game as a starter. <laughs> like he just goes five, five and zero. Oh, even some of these Thanks like totally improbable victories. <laughs> well, now, yeah, but now, I know not totally. But now Breeze is actually getting very close to playing. So come I mean, on, Breeze, because I, I bet I, the under on that Teddy Bridgewater number too. So <laughs> let's it go. seemed like a mistake. I was like, my bookie, these guys are great, but this one seems like they actually just made an honest mistake with this with this thing, which is, look, if this is why you have to go to these sites. You, you're just trying to beat the book. Um, so anyway, mybookie.ag, you use the promo code overtime. You kind of try to hunt down some of these future bets and prop bets that they get they throw out there right now. And the one I'm sweating right now, obviously, is Teddy Bridgewater just not winning two more games as a starter with this team. So come on, Drew Brees, get healthy, my friend. Uh, they've been... They've been t- too good without him. Uh, we talked a little bit about Bridgewater yesterday as a possible cash, or you threw him out as a possible cash game play. Uh, did we? Was I able to talk you? Well, I don't need to talk you off. We're, we're, are you discouraged enough to the fact that he doesn't run enough? We kind of nodded to this on the podcast yesterday, but just from we're looking for running quarterbacks, he just doesn't fit. Even if they got Kamara back, they have a huge total here, but I'm still just not seeing Bridgewater as like the cash game guy that I want to roll. Yeah, I think people will do it. I think you're right. The big total is going to encourage people. 
I will remind people that most of the total that they put together last week came on the in the hands of the running back Latavius Murray. Uh, Bridgewater himself, like whatever the total is, he's got some bad weeks, man. And like he's thrown for 300 yards exactly once so far this season. It's you're not asking him to do something he's never done before. But in four of the five games he's played this season, he's looked like a pretty bad passer. So I, I frankly, I wouldn't mind taking the under on the Saints here too, regardless of whether Kamara comes back. And I don't want to play Bridgewater in cash. I, you know, I hate to, I hate to like make a real stand against Vegas in their numbers because I often think you just sound silly doing that. Like you're just kind of like a guy with a gut and an opinion. But I don't know. Something it doesn't really pass the smell test for me as someone who's been doing this, you know, professionally now for six years. So. Yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm not going to be playing Bridgewater in cash unless our system mandates that I do. All right, so there you go. MyBookie.ag, take the under on the Saints. What about Michael Thomas? Leads the league in targets, still 78, com- mm-hmm. converting them at an 80% rate so far, three touchdowns in the season, which actually feels low considering how good he's been and how good the Saints, how good the Saints offense has been this season. He's another one. Like he and DeAndre Hopkins kind of uh, sniffing around cash games as well. Uh, Thomas only 8,000 on FanDuel in the Dome. Guy's just been an absolute target maven. I this one's this one's kind of close for me, especially if you don't spend up at running backs. I like Thomas this week. I mean, so median catches on the season ten. That's ridiculous. Or no, I'm sorry, is it nine? Yeah, it's nine. Um, that's just ridiculous though. Median catches nine. That's what we're hoping for out of targets for most players, right? And right. so the fact that that's what you're getting in roughly a league average matchup, the fact that he's getting his best possible matchup basically now going up against the Cards. And, you know, the, the increased possessions and everything else we've talked about with the Cardinals defense so far this year. Yeah, I think Thomas is a fantastic play. The real question is whether you want to pay up 8500 for it, because as we've said many times, you do run out of slots where you can pay up to 8500 But, it, man, if he shows up in optimal lineups, that's not a play I would be worried about. He's going to get Patrick Peterson shadow coverage this week. So I guess if you're looking for a reason to talk yourself out of Thomas, uh, that might be it. Peterson's obviously an elite cover corner, and he has just shown the ability to kind of just get his whenever, no matter the quarterback, and just kind of no matter the situation as well. But like I said, if you're looking for a reason to get away from it, I guess the Peterson thing uh, could be just worth a few. De- it will. I mean, look, we, we have this figured out in our system, but if you're the one that like, sees Michael Thomas in a top overall lineup and doesn't want to do it, I, I wouldn't blame you. And if that's the reason you talk yourself out of it, there are other good plays this week for sure. All right, uh, Tampa Bay goes in and plays Tennessee. Tampa Bay coming off the bye. They, uh, the game has a 45.5 total with Tennessee minus 2.5. So we're not like we're not getting exactly the odds that we'd like to get on your typical running back situation when it comes to just overall carries and stuff. But Derrick Henry has shown the ability to just get a lot of carries, especially when mm-hmm. uh, things are going right for Tennessee. Do you see this as one of those kind of games against a Tampa Bay decent defense that's been a little suspect at times this season, or just other better options this week? Yeah, well, I think you hit on my general concern with Henry, which is that. If and I think I said exactly this on the podcast yesterday, but if run, if quarterbacks get their higher floor from running the ball, running backs get their floor from receiving the ball because that's something you can do in any phase of the game. Oftentimes the yards per play are higher than the yards per carry. You can do it when you're behind, when you're ahead, and everything in between. And the fact that Henry just isn't involved in those packages just lowers everything about him. You know, it lowers his ceiling because he won't really catch receiving touchdowns. Aside from the 75-yard touchdown he got on the opening game of the season, uh, but outside of that, man, one target game, zero target games. It's just really and just look at the fantasy total. Sure, the carries have been there, but just look at how the fantasy points have shaken out for him too. In spite of arguably running hot on touchdowns, the guy has six touchdowns 
through seven games. and Or, I'm sorry, through six games that he's played. Yeah. So I just don't know that he can even sustain that pace. So, yeah, Henry Cheap, I think there's upside for that game that, you know, he turns 25 carries into 125 yards and a couple touchdowns. But, yeah, for cash games, I just can't. I can't even consider it. Against a team dog that bottled up Christian McCaffrey twice? No. I won't Whoa. do it. Oh, definitive. So Henry right now is sixth overall in running back touches this season, usage that uh, carries plus targets uh, behind Fournette, McCaffrey, Elliott, Carson, and then uh, and Dalvin Cook, and then Henry. But all those other guys have 20 or five or more targets on the season, and Henry has 12. So I, I, just to, you know, put a bow on what you're kind of saying about what the problem is with him, like where you're getting all your value from, you're getting, excuse me, you're getting all your touches from just a way that just doesn't score you more points, which was specifically the catch. So I think I hear you on that one. On ter- in terms of the Tampa Bay side, you know we've seen some huge target games from Chris Godwin. The guys just put up monster totals at times during the season. The only reason he's not really at the very top uh, or near the top right now of the overall target leaders, and I'm saying near the top, I mean like the top five or six, because they have the bye week on their hands. And he has 54 targets this year. It does have six touchdowns as well. Is he a guy? I haven't met nine targets. At times, this feels like a crazy high number, and sometimes it feels low. I'm thinking that's probably trending toward low the way they've been using him in the short term. Thoughts here on Godwin as compared to some of those other big name wide receivers that we're going to mention? Yeah, I mean, I think Godwin really is has established himself as one of that very, very top group. So, you know, I, I put him right there with Michael Thomas. The thing about Godwin, too, is that he's turning his targets into even more yards. And you know, 151 yards last week against Carolina, 125 against New Orleans, 172 against LA, four touchdowns over that span. Yeah, he's truly elite. I, I don't think there's really any question about it. You know, I wasn't as high on Godwin as some going into the season. I mean, I still liked him, I think, especially Scott Barrett made a very, very compelling case. You know, Arians was saying all the right things. And I will eat some crow, though, because I basically what I said was, let's just wait and see him do it first. And he's done it now. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's definitely in that super, super top group. For me, and another guy that if he showed up in our cash game lineups, I wouldn't say no. Uh, yeah, I think I, I'd probably take the Cup and Edelman group uh, over him, that only because they're like in the similar price range. Range though, Godwin at seventy one hundred, four hundred less than Cup. That one at least is interesting, uh, and I think that you people probably value Godwin a little higher than Cup because of the touchdown and yards upside that he has. Uh, it's close for me. I, I usually trend toward the consistent target share, but Godwin's pretty darn close when it comes to that as well. All right, uh, keeping going, we have the Giants go in and play the Lions. Giants looking pretty much every bit as bad as we thought they were going to be. Uh, I know Daniel Jones stepped in there and luck boxed his way into a first-game victory, basically on the back of Tampa Bay missing a field goal in that game. Uh, but basically been bad ever since. They did get Saquon Barkley back last week. Uh, he was fine. The touches were mostly there. They are seven-point underdogs. I don't know. What do you want to do here with the Giants passing game? Is, is Jones just like – bad enough golden tate did have a ton of targets last week but i'm just worried the quarterback play is just not enough to sustain any of the receivers at this point i don't know if that's an overstatement or not or if they want to project jones getting you know marginally better each week though it doesn't really seem to be the case how do you kind of evaluate the giants passing game here and then we'll get into the lions i don't think tate is an outrageous play i mean last two weeks averaging 10 targets a game six catches for 91 yards, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't know if you can necessarily extrapolate that forever. Weird matchups, you know, really tough one against New England, really good one against Arizona. He's very, very cheap, so I can certainly see why people might talk themselves into it. I'm just not trusting Daniel Jones yet. I mean, for all the hype on him after he came in, it was basically, also, wasn't he just basically serviceable against Tampa Bay? I mean, he completed 23 of 36 passes. Yeah, turned into 336 receiving yards. 
but you have to think that they caught Tampa Bay off balance there because everyone expected him just to be terrible right out of the gate. Since then, he hasn't had a single game where he threw more touchdowns and interceptions. He's been under 200 yards twice. Uh, he's just, yeah, I, not a guy that I'm even, if people, he's showing up on the Fanjure Sports uh, buzz chart as well. I wouldn't dream of playing him in cash games. Uh, that just seems crazy. For big tournaments, sure. I mean, anyone who's a thousand cheaper than the average player at the position has some upside, but yeah, I, I don't trust. I, I wouldn't really want to wind up with Tate in my cash games. I think really the only giant that I would be too interested in, you know, might be like Evan Ingram or something like that. But even that, I think you have just as safe an options elsewhere. You like that Barkley played 61 of the 71 snaps last week. That shows that he they were just comfortable having him fully back. He did touch the yep. ball 23 times. So I think you can still be pretty aggressive on his usage. It's just that the team's just not good enough. And that in a week where you have some other running backs in better situations, maybe a little coming a little cheaper, or the, the team is just in a more advantageous situation for a running back. I think that's the case against Barkley here. And I don't mind it from an upside standpoint just because he is so good. Uh, worth noting that the Giants receivers are going to see shadow coverage basically across the board between Melvin, Justin Coleman, and Darius Slay. How they work it is anyone's guess, but that's uh, it's just not a good situation for them to be in. Jones could be in a lot of trouble, especially with that shadow coverage if they just blitz him. Um, he could just be, again, running for his life. And that, and that would be the case for Barkley also, but then you're kind of just hoping that these little dump-off passes become turn themselves into big yards. So uh, I don't think I'm on the Giants here. Now, the Lions side of things, they're coming off a week where they lost Kerryon Johnson. He's gonna look like he's out for the year, I believe. Ty Johnson came in and got a lot of carries. wasn't very good. Uh, again, we talked about this yesterday uh, in terms of the, the Lions just not being able to sustain a running back for as long as time can has ever trudged on through football. Lions cannot seem to have a, a running back that does really anything from a fantasy perspective. And Ty Johnson still showing up in lineups for us. Stafford, I think, is a guy people will take a stab on uh, in in cash games this week and it's hard to fault on the Giants have been bad against the pass and Marvin Jones coming off a big target week thoughts here on the Lions offense in general we're not going to probably see a higher total for this team all year they're sitting at 28 implied points <laughs> yeah and that's an important thing to point out because I think a lot of times people will look at lineups and they'll see the names this actually happened last night uh, in basketball but people will look and they'll see oh we're stacking the Lions this week that team stinks and it's like, you know, sometimes your team actually cannot be that good, but it's all relative to the competition you're playing. Because by this point in the NFL season, your price is based on your baseline performance, right? And if there are events that happen, you know, whether it's your opponent or injuries free up some opportunity, where now you have just a better spot, then you can consider essentially any player in the NFL as long as they're reasonably consistent. And so in the case of Stafford, sure. I mean, this is a really good matchup here. Uh, right now, Stafford, by the way, in terms of overall buzz, he's second you know, on yep. Fanshare, which again, seems high to me because I really like our top two guys. But after Russell Wilson, uh, who, by the way, jumped up 28 slots after our podcast last week. I'm yeah, not dude. saying that that's uh, what all those media members are looking at, but people are finally seeing uh, what we're seeing, hopefully. But yeah, Stafford, uh, he has jumped up as well. He's now the second quarterback, six overall on Fanshare in terms of buzz. So I don't, you shouldn't be surprised to see him uh, showing up if not in your cash games, then in your opponents. Yeah, so I, I again, we don't really want to go there for cash game perspective, uh, from a cash game perspective, but from a GBP perspective, all over, right? These The Giants' secondary is terrible. Uh, I know for all the Janoris Jenkins buzz that have been happening earlier in his career, this guy's really, really low, re low rated as a just cover corner at this point. 
Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola specifically just had monster targets last week. Uh, Jones had 13, turned it into 10, 93, and four touchdowns. So congrats to you who played Marvin Jones last week. And Amendola turned his 11 targets into eight and 105. The guy that just disappeared because these other guys were just running all over the field, catching everything in sight, was Kenny Galladay, who only had two targets last mm-hmm. week. Do you think that... Yeah, you, hate to see it. Well, yeah, you hate to see it, but th- at the same time, we have seen Kenny Galladay like, be able to just put up huge games, especially when you know everything else is working, and he does still lead the team in targets at 47. Uh, is it bounce-back week for him here? I feel like people are going to buy... I think people... It feels like one of those situations where people look at Marvin Jones and are like, oh, he's the new... He, he's the kind of like the, the new target guy here. I could see just Kenny Galladay just getting fed the ball here, 10 targets or something like that, just bounce right back to it. And then, especially if the running game doesn't totally work with these new running backs, 6,700 on FanDuel. I love this as a GBP stack. Okay. Yeah, I was waiting for you to tell me which type of contest you were going to play him in. Because big tournaments, I mean, sure. But, like, get back to what he was. Five catches? Is that, is that what I'm getting excited about? Out of Kenny DeGalladay? I mean, yeah, he's getting some targets. He had the two-touchdown game. And really, that was it. I guess he had the good Chargers game earlier this season, too. But, man, just knowing that... There was multiple games where he scored fewer than three fantasy points. That's <laughs> me pretty, uh, pretty scared to play Galladay and anything outside of my big tournaments. And even that, it, w- it would be pretty fringy for me, especially just considering if you're playing him, probably the way to do it would be to stack him with Stafford. But people are on Stafford this week. I, I just don't. For me, I don't think I don't see that as a part of my game plan. Yeah. So um, just as a note about our projections right now, Galladay, I have him at eight and a half targets, which actually seems fair. His median targets are nine this season. His average are is seven point eight three. So eight and a half feels basically in the sweet spot right now. He is uh, for us on Fanduel. One, two, three, four, five, six. He's the seventh highest projected wide receiver except that he's a thousand cheaper than basically everyone but Edelman in that group so that's kind of where I'm tar- targeting him from like an upside standpoint just based on that price allows you a little flexibility um you know we have him projected more than like T.Y. Hilton and Keenan Allen this week well, again the the matchup is so good it's really this is really matchup based at this point like the, the Giants secondary has been so so bad so this is where I'm this is mostly what I'm talking about when it comes to an upside play uh and then we mentioned the running backs I think we'll probably end up on Ty Johnson and I don't feel amazing about it because he's. I think he's just going to be a two-down back with J.D. McKissick. I mean, in the end, how worried are we with that? With like the fact that he's just almost definitely not going to be in there on passing downs. Uh, I could still play Ty Johnson. I think he's just cheap enough, and again, the matchup is good enough that I think you can get away with it. Like I mentioned yesterday, it's somewhere between Malcolm Brown and Latavius Murray in terms of overall punts. I think if you had to decide between him and, say, Chase Edmonds, if Edmonds were starting, I would prefer Edmonds as well. But Johnson really unlocks a lot for you. Uh, The one thing I think we talked about yesterday was, you know, as cash lineups are coming together, if Johnson gives you like Christian McCaffrey or something, that may not seem worth it to me, just given the really tough matchup. And if the alternative is, you know, two of these good mid-range running backs or like higher end running backs, like, you know, Chris Carson and Fournette or something like that, I'd rather go in that direction. But yeah, right now, I, I don't, I can't say I'm totally scared of Johnson. All right, before we get into the rest of these games, if you're looking to get seats for a game this season, whether it be a football game for the rest of the year, basketball, which is you know well underway right now, you have to download the Vivid Seats app. Uh, Vivid Seats, the best way to get tickets online, the best deals you're going to find online, and besides just having great deals on just on the app itself, they also have a rewards program. So you go in there, you use the promo code Overtime, O V E R T I M E, you get automatically enrolled to into the rewards program. When you buy tickets, you add points, uh, prizes, deals that come down the pike through the app. 
And also, when you buy your first set of tickets through the Vivid Seats app, they're going to give you a discount of up to $100 on that first purchase. So really not going to find a better seat app out there. Concerts, games, it's all covered. Vivid Seats app, go check them out. And definitely, you have to use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself started on that deal. Bengals go in and play the Rams. Rams, 13-point favorites here, 30.5 total. Bengals are atrocious. Rams got Todd Gurley back last week. Uh, didn't really have any problem giving him the ball. This is right where we want to kind of buy running backs here, but he touched the ball 18 times last week. He was absolutely terrible. 18 carries for 41 yards. Couldn't get anything going. One target. And this minus 13 number is often where we just kind of want to start looking pretty hard at the starting running back for a team. Where do you put Gurley in this group of running backs? Um, I still kind of feel like the price is born a little bit out of what he did last year. Like, he's 300 less than Fournette, yes. which seems absolutely crazy. And I also feel like this is just one of those situations where we probably need to consider it just because the Bengals are just a, a total train wreck. I mean, he played Atlanta last week, so it's not like he's coming off of playing the 85 Bears, right? So I just don't think... I, I don't want to play Gurley. That's pretty much the long and the short of it. I think the targets have been worrying. Uh, he had some targets in two games this season against Seattle and Tampa Bay. And other games, one target, one target, four targets, one target. I don't see it with Gurley, man. I, you know, getting 18 carries in one target is actually just not that great of a usage rate in the modern NFL. Or you're Derrick Henry. You're again, just you're, you're Derrick Henry be... if you do that, basically. Like that's what like that's what he's kind of become, that's right? It. Like I, probably yeah. worse. I mean, probably lower opportunity. Gurley doesn't have a single 20 carry game this season. So uh, the one big target game he had, he had five carries in that game. So I think the Rams are kind of lost with what they want to do in the running game right now. They have reasonable backup options that have been just as good, if not better, than Gurley, right, in Brown and Henderson. So I just don't see it. I'm not going to play Gurley in cash. There's absolutely no way. He's someone who's now, he has to show it to me once. And it doesn't count as showing it to me if you've got two touchdowns on 16 yards rushing like he did against Tampa Bay. That's not showing it to me. Getting the two touchdowns on 50 yards rushing against Seattle, that's not showing me either. It turns him into an upside play because you can be pretty confident that he's going to get the goal line touches. But if you're going to get sometimes two yards to carry, you really need to be bringing quite a bit else to the table uh, to get me excited. Yeah, so the Rams, uh, like I said, they have this huge team total. Where if we're not on Gurley, it's, it's weird about Gurley too because it's like just because you don't want to play Gurley doesn't mean the opportunity goes to someone else. They just end up spreading it around. I will say Daryl uh, Henderson did get 11, excuse me, 11 carries last week. Uh, Gurley outsnapped him 46 to 26. The game was getting out of hand. I don't think Henderson is really the plan, though Malcolm Brown was hurt. And Malcolm Brown actually might be back this week. I got to check the injury news on him. From a target standpoint, the, Gerald Everett actually led the team in targets with 10, with Cooper Cup at 8, and then Woods and Cooks each with 7. Do we still want to go easily, kind of like the target distribution? Well in the Cup's favor here. He has uh, medium targets of 10 and average targets of 11 this season. He's a guy that is really kind of starting to show up, not starting to show up, is sort of showing up in some cash games for us. Are we still enough on Cup as a definitive elite target guy this season? So this is a point I wanted to make when you mentioned uh, median targets with Galladay as well. I think median targets are a very good thing to look at if recent performance has been roughly in line with what you've seen all season. So uh, like Michael Thomas, I mentioned that with Julio Jones, I think is another uh, good candidate for using that as a, a sort of baseline. In the case of guys like Galladay and Cup, I think the fact that we have recent evidence of teams doing something different is pretty meaningful. And I think a comp I would make to both of those guys might be like Adam Thielen from last year, where 
using median targets, you know, basically after his great run to start the season, median targets would have failed you every week after that, right? Because you would have just kept sitting there being like, oh, this is the week, man. Thielen, 11 median targets. And that's not what you sound like, by the way, speaking hypothetically. Kind of sounds like you were trying um, to sound like me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to work really hard to make it not to not believe that you were not trying to sound like no, me. No, no, dude, no, dude. Come on, man. You know me. Nothing personal. Now I know you were trying to, uh, now I know you were trying to sound like me. If you're trying to say I know you, yeah, yeah. I knew about it. Damn it, I was. <laughs> All right. I was trying to sound like uh, But anyway, yeah, so with Cup, you know, eight targets in a great matchup against Atlanta last week, turned it into no fantasy production. Six targets in an understandably difficult matchup against San Francisco. I just don't... I, I can see playing him in cash this week. I just don't think it's quite as obvious play as the numbers might bear it out. And, you know, we were talking about comparing him with someone like, you know, Michael Thomas. Well, DeAndre Hopkins is the other. Uh, Let's throw Hopkins in. Hopkins is the other one. Yeah, so I think think some of those names, like the ones that are, like all things being equal, let's put it this way, all things being equal, I like median targets. If other guys have much better recent performance and there looks like there might be some fundamental change to the team's plan, like it just couldn't be their plan to throw him the ball 12 to 15 times a game, uh, then that's when I start getting concerned. So Cup's still cheap enough that you can consider it, but I I can't say I'm like all in on this play. This yeah, week. no, I think, you know, in looking at it right now, he's actually not in our top line. I, I thought he was in DraftKings. Uh, he's not. So I guess I'm a little less concerned with it. I still think that there's, there's so many mouths to feed in this Rams offense that when it just goes, it can go yep. pretty quickly. And not to say it will never come back, but they just have a lot of guys. Like Robert Woods has shown us double-digit targets in the past. They still have Cooks here. Uh, Gerald, like I said, Everett himself got 10 targets last week for something like a third or, or I don't know, something, not a third, something like 28% of the overall target share. So in the end, I think I'm with you on that piece of like just not trusting the early season targets to inform what the rest of the season is going to be like, mostly just because sustaining that kind of number is really difficult. It's not as difficult for Michael Thomas, who were the other guys like Ted Ginn and no tight ends and no other receivers and Latavius Murray and Kamara's out, right? Like, it's way easier to sustain that or, like, Hopkins with Fuller out. So, um, yeah, I think from that standpoint, I probably would bump those other guys up over Cup uh, at this point. Uh, we did talk about Tyler Boyd uh, from the Rams, excuse me, from the uh, a possible cash game play last week. He's still very high in targets. Um, Alex Erickson got a ton of targets last week. Adam Tate still had a lot of targets. I think there are targets to be had here. And remember that Jalen Ramsey is now patrolling. <laughs> uh, actually, does that worry you at all? If, if Tyler Boyd, this is actually something we didn't talk about yesterday, which I should have. Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. gets, if he got Jalen Ramsey shadow coverage, would you worry about that from knocking down his some of his target share from this week? We have it baked into our system. The problem is he's coming so cheap on these targets. Where do you kind of where do you land with knowing that Ramsey and he is projected to shadow cover Boyd this week? Where would you land on that? Yeah, it's, this is such a tough case, right? Because there's so many moving parts with the Boyd projection. The first, where we always look first, is targets. Uh, 35 targets over the last three weeks, including you know some pretty tough matchups with Jacksonville and Baltimore sprinkled in there. So that's the first piece. The, on the con list, it would be Andy Dalton's the one throwing him those targets. So the reason sometimes he gets so many is because the first two are flying over his head and out of bounds, right? right? So uh, that would be in the con list. The shadow coverage is definitely a con as well. And just what he's done with those targets in the last two weeks. I mean, he was very good against Arizona in the last two weeks, though. You know, 65 total receiving yards on 21 targets. So that is truly abysmal. And when when it's going that way, two things can happen. The first is that, you know, your team just decides, 
uh, maybe we shouldn't be throwing the ball to Tyler like, you know, 12 times a game if he's going to turn it into like three yards per attempt. Uh, that's the first thing. And just simple regression too, where you say, yeah, it was never going to be the plan to throw him the ball 14 times. That was just sort of the way the game script took us, right? So yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks with Boyd. But the biggest thing that cements the pro side is just the price, man. 5600 for a guy getting this level of target share. Like you almost just say, you almost have to throw your hands up, right? I mean, I know he hasn't done it in the last two weeks, but that is just so much offensive opportunity. And it's just not opportunity you really see from almost anyone. If he were 7000 I, I could think about not playing him. At 5700 or 5600 I just don't think I can get scared off of that. I mean, I, if our system tells me otherwise, I'm fine to listen to it, but... In terms of getting in there and manually removing him because of the Jalen Ramsey shadow coverage, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. I don't yeah, think. this one's going to be a close one. I don't love the Ramsey thing, and I hear every other point that you're saying. So I think this will be one that we probably end up discussing. I probably want to see where some of his projected ownership was going to be going into this week, too, to see how much people, how much that Ramsey thing was talking people off the boy play. That for, In this case, I think that would be an important number that I would want to see. I'm not always enamored with that, and I don't always mm-hmm. care. Um, I think this week, I just want to see where other people are starting to land. It's pretty It's pretty low. The sentiment rating is pretty low on him, although oddly it's rising. So, you know, he's behind, well behind guys like, you know, Tyler Lockett. Um, let's see, I'm trying to find other guys in his similar price range. Yeah, so he's well behind Lockett. Uh, he's behind Corey Davis. He's behind your buddy Kenny Galladay, uh, DJ Metcalf, AJ Brown. Yeah, people, Kenny Stills. You know, people are are seemingly much higher on a bunch of other plays uh, rather than him. So I would suspect that you would see relatively low cash game ownership. Yeah, um, I think that's going to probably matter for me. Before we get to some of these other games, yeah, tell us about our, la- our, our last sponsor. Or not, not last because it's the worst. This, uh, our yeah. last sponsor. We're not accepting any uh, more sponsorships. Like Don't that. even bother. Look, I'm still, getting, I'm still new to the sponsor read. I think I've gotten pretty good at the sponsor reads um, as we've grown into the podcast expanding. I know that used to be my job, but then you just you just took the yes, reins. Well, I to do everything else. This, do everything great, else in the stupid company, so I might as well do the sponsor reads too. Yeah, <laughs> All right, CBS HQ app. Okay, so the the, the pluses of the CBS HQ app, and there's only pluses. One is actually I'll give you a quick story. Today, during the Nets game, I was worried because I for some reason my family just decided we had to go out right near the when the game was ending, and I was worried that I wasn't gonna be able to watch the end of it. I was able to kind of watch it on the phone. The only reason I was less worried about it was because I knew I had CBS HQ in my back pocket for a la carte highlights and really anything I was going to need to be able to end up watching the game. Uh, look, it's, you can get highlights around the internet right now. It's not that difficult, except go and try to find an app that has it laid out as easily and easy to sort through as CBS HQ. You're just not going to find it. It's all laid out really well, game by game. The highlights are about as good as you're going to find. There's no ads blaring at you. You don't need to sign up for anything. It's completely and totally free. CBS just wants you to go over there and just interact with their content. And that's it. So acting almost like a sports channel on your phone, CBS HQ app, it's, it's, it's perfect. If, for, if you're on the go and you're trying to watch games or you're trying to just watch highlights, if you want to get fantasy analysis before the game, betting stuff as well, CBS HQ, just go sign up. No login, no username, no nothing. Download the app and just start checking out the coverage. You will not regret it. I know when I was driving in the car, I knew that I had it there. Still got to watch the end of the game and still went back and watched the highlights so I could podcast about it later, buddy, because I'm a pro. Jets go in and play the Jaguars, six-point home favorites for the Jaguars, 23.75 implied points right now. Leonard Fournette, every lineup, I mean, is there any reason to get away from him? He's not. He's only 60% of our cash game lineups right now on FanDuel. That has me a little, I'm like a little bit surprised. 
He's actually not there at all on DraftKings. Are we worried about this based on the usage and the fact that he's just not as expensive as McCaffrey this week? Well, yeah, I mean, he shouldn't be as expensive as McCaffrey, uh, but you know, he's $2,000 cheaper uh, than McCaffrey, so they're, they're not really even in the same discussion. The thing about Fournette, I mean, I, I really would love to play Fournette against the Jets this week. I, I'm not bearish at all on him. Uh, the touchdowns still haven't totally come together, which I guess at some point you have to start thinking about as a concern, right? I mean, one touchdown, in spite of the fact that he's among the leaders in the entire NFL in total touches per game, is just sort of bizarre. And it's not like for lack of trying either. The guy touched the ball 31 times against a bad Cincinnati team and just never managed to punch it in the end zone instead of you know, covering 145 yards of territory throughout the game. I still love playing him against the Jets. I get that it's not as good a matchup against Cincinnati, but the price has also come down by 200. And that minus six range is really the sweet spot for running backs, right? Where you they rate to be super heavily involved and probably not be pulled because it's a blowout. So I love playing Fournette this week. I don't think... I like I, I can't imagine a cash game lineup without him or anything. Like I, I don't think he's that level of must play. But after the super high ownership last week and the very good performance of the things that were in his control, like what he did every time he touched the ball, and just how many opportunities he got, I would really like to play him for sure. Uh, Jets are better against the run this season than the past. Seventeenth in DVOA against the past, sixth overall against the run. So you, that's not a great number in Fournette's favor. But look, I said like you're just the, the amount. Of, I didn't mean to compare him to McCaffrey, by the way. Like I understand McCaffrey is just you know considerably better than him when it comes to an overall usage standpoint. It's just mostly just trying to highlight that Fournette is. In any other year, Fournette, we'd be talking about Fournette as like the just the you know the cream of the crop in terms of overall usage, and it just happens to be that he's up against a historic season for McCaffrey. So I guess that was really my only my only overall point with uh, with Fournette, and I definitely hear you on the touchdowns. That is a little concern. He was stuffed at the one yard line last week, uh, and the Jacksonville is just not a robust offense either. D.D. Westbrook questionable. We liked playing him last week. I wonder if he if he got if he was got a full bill of health. If he'd be interested in going back toward D.D. this week. Ben Lee, he's led the team in targets so far this season. Still coming pretty cheap on, on DraftKings uh, from a PPR perspective. Give me your thoughts on him, and is there anything to like about the Jets? We have talked about Levy and Bell in the past. I'm not sure we're willing to do it anymore. Yeah, so Westbrook missed Wednesday's practice as well with a neck and shoulder thing that's been sort of bothering him. It has been very reassuring to see Minshew looking his way more often than he was getting looks earlier this season. Uh, you know, Westbrook was a really, I think he was the highest on wide receiver in the first game of the season going up against Kansas City. Uh, obviously, Foles gets hurt. Then he has the one catch game against Houston, and he's just, you know, persona non grata in the DFS community. Uh, things have ticked back up recently, and the price is still low, again, like Fournette, on the basis of not scoring a lot of touchdowns. But as you're starting to hear, that's sort of a theme with the Jags, is that outside of 70-yard DJ Shark bombs, this team has not had a great time of trying to punch the ball into the end zone. So... I think there's definitely some concern here. It kind of reminds me of these like Larry Fitzgerald plays and Tyler Boyd plays that we've done earlier this season where you're looking for target share. You're hoping he turns that into yards. If he gets a touchdown out of it, that's an excellent bonus. But um, but yeah, it's nothing like to write home about right now. I do think at this price range, though, I could see it. I don't, I don't think I would want to X him out if he was showing up in our cash game lineups. Again, though, it's not a guy I feel like I need to go out of my way to prioritize because I think this sort of impact is somewhat replaceable this week. Yeah, 4,500 on DraftKings. He is in the top overall lineup as of right yeah, now. Yeah, seems good. Uh, it's kind of making way for Christian McCaffrey. So he's the kind of, and eh, no, I take that back. Westbrook is in even non-McCaffrey lineups. The 4,500 is just a hard part to totally ignore. Again, nice matchup here against the Jets. I don't think Darnold looked horrible. And the Patriots are really good defense. Darnold looked really, really bad. 
Uh, last week, he got caught on NFL film saying he was seeing ghosts, and everyone got mad because it makes him look really bad, and people were pissed off that they really shouldn't have allowed that to go like live because he was just basically saying, I'm seeing ghosts out here. Like I don't know where these guys are coming from. And it's just, I don't know, for an NFL quarterback to be caught in that moment, like being honest, made him look really bad. But it also speaks to the fact that like he just didn't know what was going on. So it's really hard to trust anything the Jets have going on, going on right now, even with Le'Veon Bell getting a bunch of touches. Chargers go in and play the Bears. Chargers are four-point road underdogs to a really elite defense. Buddy, right now we have Hunter Henry and Mike Williams in top DraftKings lineups. Uh, Henry a little bit more than Williams. How worried are you with seeing these two names going up a Bears defense? Eh, Bears defense has let it up at times, though. Like they they let up some, you know, they let it up last week for sure, uh, and we didn't mind being against them then. They are much better against the pass, a top ten DVOA pass defense. Are you worried seeing these names like Henry and Williams in the top overall lineup as of right now? So Henry, absolutely not. You know, we talked about this in the Cash Game podcast, but when you look at the breakdown of tight ends, their prices and their relative opportunity. I think there's one group near the top. Henry's a part of that group, and he's $1,000 cheaper than everyone else. So, you know, all the tough matchups in the world really aren't going to scare me off of that. I mean, I I guess there would be a matchup that would scare me off. The Bears aren't one of them. I think the Bears are on a downward trend defensively this season. I think at some point it just stays or gets hard to stay motivated uh, with Trubisky out there, just turning the ball over, throwing for 80 yards. Like, I just can't see how they could possibly be motivated to continue to try to hold their opponents down when they know their offense is going to be capable of like maybe 14 points over a given game. Uh, So yes, I'm happy to play Henry. Mike Williams, though, I'm not really seeing it. You know, he was actually getting some buzz going into the Tennessee game as well on the basis of two higher target weeks. But that's come with a conspicuous drop off in Keenan Allen's target share for no real reason. And the fact that Allen went back up and had 11 targets, he didn't do a whole lot with him against Tennessee. It shows me that he's still there. He's still lurking and that trying to project wide receiver target share is sort of a fool's errand on this team. So I think right now I do not want to play Mike Williams. I think there are four and five target games uh, down the pipeline for him. I I would want to lower him, and I would not want to play him in cash for sure. Don't worry, buddy. I was lowering him as you were talking because I think we had half half to three-quarters of a target too high on his number, especially considering the way that he gets his targets. I think you can be a little bearish on that from a, from a cash game perspective. The Bears last week had to throw the ball 54 times uh, playing catch-up. Trubisky did end up with two touchdowns. They saw a million targets uh, in the passing game between, I think, yeah, Allen Robinson saw 16 targets. Tara Cohen saw 12 against the Saints. Um, hard to give, you know, we're, we're not going to go anywhere close with these, this kind of target share. But we also didn't really get a sense of like, what the running back situation was going to be after having played David Montgomery a few weeks back, and then they kind of took the week off because um, they were flying back from London. He carried the ball two times last week uh, in 30 snaps. <laughs> That's not good, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, no. What do we do with this Bears running game? We have been at times interested in playing a guy like Montgomery, especially when it looked like he was getting... No way. Do we even need to discuss it? Like, you're you're not going to play these guys in any format. And no one on the Bears. Whatever Trubisky did, his two touchdowns came with two minutes and 41 seconds left and less. So he was against the backups, the prevent defense. The Saints were up by 26 points. Like, the fact that they did anything at all, like, kudos to them. Uh, even Tarek Cohen, you're like, man, 12 targets out of Tarek Cohen. Yeah, you turn those 12 targets into 19 receiving yards. So, yeah, this this team, this offense is comically bad. I think owning anyone in cash would be absolutely insane. And even for big tournaments, I mean, God bless you, you'll get low ownership probably, but you'd have to have something really go right to figure out a way to turn this into fantasy production, in my opinion. Denver goes in and plays the Colts. Colts are minus six home favorites right now with a 24.5 implied total. 
Marlon Mack, 18 carries last week again. We've seen Marlon Mack, and he only 44 yards. They get targeted three times, so you do like to see that as well. He played 54 of the 76 snaps. These seem like the Marlon Mack type of situations that we want to be in, although we have run afoul of this kind of thing before when we had a Marlon Mack heavy, not heavy ownership, a Marlon Mack um, game. So where we had a, we had a Marlon Mack setting on, dra- on DraftKings, yeah. Sure. Yeah, where he look where he was gonna, you know, the game script looked like from the Vegas total looked like it was gonna be in his favor, and then it wasn't, and all of a sudden when the game script's not in his favor, he really becomes a fairly useless part. But this one, I don't know, projects to be that way. He's not exactly cheap. I, I probably prefer some of the other guys that we discussed already. But this, if things yeah. are gonna line up from a predictive standpoint, this does seem like the week to maybe get in on Marlon Mack. Only sixty one hundred on DraftKings. Uh yeah. So I'm not gonna play Marlon Mack this week. I. And I can just go through the game log and kind of explain why. Even when the game script is should be in his favor. How about the Oakland game, right? The Oakland game, everyone's like, Marlon Mack. I think that was actually the week we played him. He had 11 carries. And he reminds me actually a little bit of Josh Jacobs, incidentally. Although Josh Jacobs would be considered a rich man's version of Marlon Mack here. Uh, where if the game script's in his favor, he can get 30 touches like he did against Kansas City. But you don't always know with this Colts team when the game script is actually going to be in his favor. And I think as Brissette gets more comfortable under center as the season has gone along, too, uh, they've, they've been quicker to kind of look away from Mac. Uh, so last game against Houston, another game where the game script, you know, could potentially have paid off for him. He turns 21 looks into 56 yards, and it's just something that happens to him from time to time. I mean, 20 carries for 51 yards against Tennessee earlier this season. I just think this Colts team in the offensive line just sometimes has trouble running the ball. Uh, Denver, not like a historic defense by any stretch, but potentially underrated at this point. I just can't see playing this guy in cash games, especially just given, like we've said with other guys, he just doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield either. So, nah, I'm, I'm off the Mac train this week. T.Y. Hilton's a guy we pivoted into cash games late last week uh, on the back of maybe just like having to do a little sanity check on his projection. Glad we did. He was something like an 80% start on DraftKings. Ended up catching a touchdown on 11 targets. Uh, thoughts about going back to him in this situation. Targets have been there. Yards a little down from what we used, were used to him, with, especially with Andrew Luck and just bigger arms. But he's kind of made up for it in targets and just sort of efficiency at this point. Thoughts on T.Y. Hilton here? Yeah, T.Y. Hilton I can sort of get behind. You know, he's a, another part of this class of wide receivers that was higher priced going into the season, started off rather slowly, and has sort of regained the mantle as the season has gone along. Uh, you know, everyone was rightfully concerned with the change in quarterback. Uh, it, has, it does seem to have affected him on some level, especially, you know, just the number of deep balls that get thrown his way. But he's turning stuff into touchdowns. You know, he's averaging one touchdown per start so far this season. So uh, the touchdown upside absolutely there. And we're still yet to see that game where he really pops off for, you know, 150 yards, which he's absolutely still capable of doing. So um, definitely don't like the FanDuel price. I could consider it on DraftKings. I still think the upside is there, but for my money, I would imagine he'll probably be on the outside looking in when our cash game lineups come together this Sunday. Four o'clock games. Carolina goes in and plays San Francisco. San Francisco, five and a half point favorites. Been very good this season. San Francisco ranks second overall in DVOA on defense. Yeah. Uh, they're coming off a crazy game against the Redskins last week where uh, the game was, the weather was just absolutely horrendous. So that's why it ended up being so low scoring. Uh, they did bring in Emmanuel Sanders in a trade over the course of this week. Uh, I'm, are we worried? We talked briefly about this yesterday, but we can nod to it now about Christian McCaffrey. Are we just totally game script depend, independent on him? Because right now it's bad game script. I get that he's like basically the wide receiver too. 
and what is arguably an elite defense this season, is that enough to just turn us off to the fact that he has basically is averaging almost like a half a game's more usage per game than the next closest running back. I, like this is where this is where the math I think these are the situations where the math gets the hardest. Uh, this like this exact situation where you have an yeah, well, totally exactly. transcendent guy. It's, it's yeah. weighing it's weighing so many extreme factors all at once, which is what gets so difficult, right? So it's weighing a like can a guy really get thirty touches a game? We've never seen it before over the course of a whole season, and yet we're halfway through a season of McCaffrey doing it. So uh, certainly it looks as though you know, that extreme might be accounted for. And then defenses like the San Francisco 49ers don't come along that often either, right? Where, um, you know, on some level, any statistical projection system is going to look at extreme performance and assume that some amount of that is due to luck. Like, that's just the good way to do things. When we first started looking at this stuff six years ago or whatever, we understood that a lot less. And you'd be like, man, this guy hits, he has a 800 slugging percentage against right-handed pitching or something, right? You'd plug him in there in all lineups. That doesn't always work that way. So given that all those factors are there, I would say the factor most likely to regress would probably be the San Francisco defense. Just because, again, the term historic is historic for a reason. Those things are, are somewhat uncommon. And just, again, the price on McCaffrey, though, I, I think there's enough in the cons column that I'm, in most weeks I think we're going to want to go out of our way to prioritize McCaffrey and this kind of usage. I think this week I would sort of need a reason to do it. And it might be a good enough reason is just playing Ty Johnson. You know, if... The chalk heads in the direction where people are going to pair McCaffrey with Ty Johnson or Edmonds or Murray or, you know, these other cheap running back plays. I can absolutely still see him as a reasonable payoff. Um, and I think there's potentially a case to be made that it's a big investment on a potential bust, given that for as good as McCaffrey has been this season, he does have two very bad games on these price points. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I've not felt this uneasy about Christian McCaffrey at any other point this season. Yeah, and I, th- I always get worried with like smart teams that have really good defenses and that un- and that had you know not two weeks to prepare because they played last week, but have had a little time to prepare for this guy and say, look, this is the one guy that can kill you. So this is the one guy we're going to take away, and the- everyone else can just do what they want, and we'll just l- not allow Christian McCaffrey to kill us. I-, I don't trust every team to kind of walk into a week and say that about a certain player, and for some reason I just sort of do right now with the way the 49ers are playing. So. I don't know if that's just me being speculative and too, a little too much like a fan or just like radio, sports radio talk show nonsense that I don't really have a way to back up, but that's just sort of how I feel about it. And if the math said it there, I, I'd probably be okay with it because I think the floor is so high and it's going to be one that I'm sure we're going to talk about. 49ers uh, did trade for Emmanuel Sanders, like I said. Anything Does that do anything for you? Kittle, I don't count last week as like anything that teaches anything about anything for the 49ers. The weather was just so, just so, so, so bad. But Kittle did lead the team in targets two weeks before with eight. Again, was a guy that we'd considered at higher prices than we're seeing him this year. Oh, yeah. And does the, does the San, them bringing in a possession guy like Sanders do anything for you here? Do you think we continue to see Kittle's targets continue to trend back up after they started off low with some weird games where they had to do to run the start of the season? What are your thoughts on Kittle? I think better times are ahead for Kittle. I think he is probably somewhat underpriced relative to his baseline. I think we actually have a lot of pretty decent options at tight end this week. So, again, I think you're sort of in that speculation territory. But in terms of raw upside, no tight end matches Kittle and what he can do. I mean, he this guy had 200 yards and a half last season, right? So uh, we know that he's capable of absolutely transcendent performance. Uh, it hasn't all come together. I don't know that you need to be a week early projecting him to come back in your cash games. Um you know, I could certainly see a case for playing him, but I wouldn't mind seeing it once first before I dip my nose back in uh, to the Kittle tank there. Uh, as far as Sanders goes, the lesson, as always, is don't play a wide receiver in their first game with a new team. 
anything could happen with him in this game. I suppose that means he has upside, but I think the uh, the people that are trying to project him as you know this potentially huge play that could positively go off, he's been an interesting one to track on Fanshare too because he was a top 10 buzz guy. And then 24 hours later, he dropped 31 slots to top 41. Uh, and the way their algorithm works at Fincher is they sort of, not only do they look at how often a guy's being discussed, but their machine learning algorithm can also uh, evaluate sentiment too. So it's a really, really cool tool that they built over there. And yeah, the sentiment seems to be pushing downward on Sanders. So I don't, uh, and I don't see it either. I can certainly understand that. So yeah, I don't think I'm going to be in the Sanders camp this week. All right, two games to go here. We have the Oakland Raiders go in and play the Houston Texans. Texans, Texans, another one of those teams we mentioned with a really high total this week of 29. They're six and a half point home favorites. Uh, obviously, we talked a lot about Deshaun Watson and uh, Russell Wilson yesterday. I think we're going to be running one of those two guys, or if not both, in cash this week. I think those guys seem like pretty easy plays, huge total. Now, the the what we have to try to figure out here is with Will Fuller out what we do with the target redistribution for the Texans. Last week, Fuller only played three snaps, so we kind of got an idea from that game, though, again, that was not a game they prepared to have Fuller there. So I always want to caution people on that from that game. Like, Mm -hmm. they thought Fuller was going to play that game, and he didn't. So uh, Hopkins ends up with 12 targets, went for 9-106 and a touchdown. Kenny Stills and Kiki Kute both got five targets, though Stills outsnapped him 61-45. to Kute was the third wide receiver as he was still taking the fuller piece where if stills only 4,700 this week, could you see a situation of maybe stacking in cash, something like Watson Hopkins and stills or something like that? Like just say, this is going to be lion's share of the targets and there's, this is, has a pretty high floor. Is that a silly way to think about it? I know sometimes I get more enamored with that kind of idea than you do. And I feel like Stills is in a good situation here. Kute, too. Like, what do we do here with the targets? Or do we just give them, like, a lot of say to Hopkins and say Hopkins is just a cash game play because we've seen them want to force-feed him the ball plenty in the past? I'm comfortable giving Kute and Stills their targets from last week, which was five. I don't think that will put them in our cash game lineups. I think people are irrationally excited about Stills right now because he turned those five targets into more than 100 yards receiving. And that's great. You know, he's he, that he's always been capable of that. Even when he was with Miami, you know, putting up big yardage totals on relatively few targets. But if the target share is not going to be there, I just can't possibly imagine. Like 4,700 is cheap, but it's not that cheap, right? Uh, I think there's plenty of opportunity to get high target guys. He's especially not as good on DraftKings where PPR is a bigger consideration. So I don't see myself wanting to invest in him. Just sight unseen if I had to compare him to some of these other cheap wide receiver plays that we've been discussing uh, that have been more in that basket of, you know, possession guys who are relatively cheaper, guys like Boyd. Um, like D.D. Westbrook and him are the, of the same price, basically, on DraftKings. So like, are you yeah, I'd ra- much rather have D.D. Westbrook. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, so then, it, yeah, well, then I, definitely. Point, I just because the floor, there's so much more floor there, right? You're going to get more targets. Westbrook certainly just as capable of scoring a touchdown or whatever as Kenny Stills is, and and that just matters. So I'm not going to – I would definitely not want to play him over Westbrook. All right, what about like just another challenge play here, DeAndre Hopkins versus Michael Thomas? They're $100 difference on, on DraftKings this week. Um, is it enough for you to think that Hopkins just – he sees another tick up? Like, again, like we've seen Watson have no problem at times just say – just go get it, right? Like, if I don't have a lot of other options, I'm just going to throw to him, and that's just going to be what it is. Thomas is 300 more on FanDuel. Uh, do you have a thought on just sort of challenge play Hopkins versus Thomas here? Yeah, it's awfully close. I, I guess I would lean Thomas, but I could certainly see a case for Hopkins. Uh, underratedly this season, he's also turned into an absolute monster in terms of converting targets his way 
in two catches. Um, you know, the last three games, he's had 32 targets thrown his way, and only seven of those have not been converted into a reception. So he's been a very reliable target. Like you said, Fuller banged up. I think Watson leans on him a little bit more this week. He's still cheaper than he could be. You know, he opened the season in that $8,800 to $9,000 range, and we're still getting somewhat of a discount. And unlike a lot of the other big-name receivers, like Julio Jones, he's kind of getting the same opportunity that he was last year now. So I could absolutely see playing him. For him and Thomas, I'd be happy with either. I don't think I, you know, ultimately if I have to decide, if I can split it, I'll split it. If the price just makes it work, then I would just play whoever's cheaper. I think that's a fine way to proceed here. Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty easy. So it's uh, Hopkins is cheaper on FanDuel, and Thomas is 100 cheaper on DraftKings. Uh, we yeah, did talk. We, we talked about the early in the season that Hopkins ran an absolute gauntlet of cover corners to start the season that he That's hasn't right. that he hasn't run into in weeks since. Like we we played him the week following that, and he that was the week that Will Fuller just went absolutely bananas. But really, besides that, I I, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable with saying we're going to continue to see very heavy target share for Hopkins through the rest of the season. Uh, I'm not sure we need to spend much time here on the Raiders. We did mention Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs is banged up right now. Uh, it's unclear if he's going to play. I'm not sure that really doing anything for me for really even a GPP standpoint uh, with any of their backup running backs. Uh, Jacobs is only interesting because they've given him the ball a ton sort of even when they're losing games. So I guess the floor is decently high, but I don't love that he's banged up. Final game is the Browns go in and play the Patriots. Patriots started at 10.5 point favorites and everyone said, whoa, run to the windows because that thing went all the way up to minus 13, uh, almost <laughs> the second it landed. So someone made a mistake there. And it's interesting where um, we've been setting up a betting system that pulls in a bunch of team factors, and that was one right away that our system called out as being a huge mistake. When that thing opened at 10.5, uh, it said that is way too high. We <laughs> Our system has New England right now as 14.765 favorites instead of 13. So still more than the 13, uh, but it was way more than the 10. Uh, and just and just as a, as a note about the system, most other games fall within about a point and a half of the overall total or the overall yep. uh, spread. This one was just looking like this one's really bad because Cleveland stinks. Like that's just that's what it is. Like they were completely overrated. Uh, I myself fell into the the swan song of what they could be. That's true. They had not put it together. Yep, their defense has been bad. The offense has been bad. And then on the flip side, the Patriots have just been like an all time team <laughs> to start the season. They they're right now their point differential is plus one hundred and seventy five. I can see a play case for playing the Patriots defense again. Like I, I saw a breakdown, and I forget who did this on Twitter. It was ranking the Patriots defense. It was like Patriots defense would be like QB six, running back like eight, <laughs> wide receiver like seven or something like that. Like their defense was just like a fourth round draft pick or something like like that. Like with how good Yikes. the defense has been this year, feels like they could do it again. Feels like they feels like they're just trying. Like I hate to say they're trying extra hard because their schemes are always so good, but like. Feels like they just have a chip on their shoulder. They say, we want to allow half as many points as the next closest team this year, right? Like something like that. I feel like this is like sort of what they're just going for as a defense. And I feel like the, the Browns can be in major trouble here again. Yeah, the Patriots have allowed 48 points so far this season. Uh, the Browns, didn't they allow 43 points in the first game of the season against Tennessee? <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a tough one, man. I I we we love Edelman. I think he's still a great play. I think if you squint a little bit, you could still see the potential for a Brown stack. People will be absolutely off it. Uh, so you like that. To, and Beckham had his you know, second best game of the week last week against Seattle. So maybe he's getting off the schneid a little bit. But yeah, there's it's hard to get too excited about uh, you know, really either side of this game. Just because the blowout potential on the Pats side, uh, the way they like to spread the ball around. 
and the total incompetence of Baker Mayfield this season. So, yeah, it's a, this is a weird one to end on, but I, uh, I certainly wouldn't mind playing the Pats defense, I'll tell you that much. Even just 5,000? Sure, why not? Beckham came out and said something like, it's always been a dream of mine to play for the Patriots. Or always been, I always dreamed about that growing <laughs> up. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is exactly the kind of that, thing. That's the one. Well, yeah. this is, this is what, what, when you get Odell Beckham and things are going well, you get all the good stuff. When things are going bad, you get quotes like this about the for the right before the game where they're going to play the about Patriots. the opponent that you're yeah. about to play. Yeah, that's it's like, cool. hey, guy, like waving to him from the sidelines, like, hey, man, <laughs> anytime you want to come on, hey, can I come on over there and play with you, coach? All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com/deals or DailyFantasySportsRankings.com/deals. It's going to get you started on a seven-day free trial to our projection system that we've been mentioning here. That's been great for football season. Started off basketball season really, really well. Uh, it's going to cover you on all those sports, plus NHL, baseball when it comes back around. You're not going to find a better deal in the industry. It's free for seven days and then just $29.95 a month after that. Everyone else in the space has raised their rates crazy time over the course of their years, of the, the lifespan of their business. Our prices have really never gone up. They don't really stand to ever go up in the short term just because we kind of set a price, and that's what we're comfortable making, and, we like, and mm-hmm. we're proud of what we, what we do, and that's just kind of where we are. So... It's free for seven days. You go check it out. No risk. Twenty nine ninety five a month. After that, you jump into the chat room. You talk with us. You talk to our other users. You like, you like we, you like what you get, and we think you'll be around for the long term. DFSR.com/deals, buddy. Enjoy week eight in the NFL. Peace.